Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk about how to improve the performance of your ride, plus the Mount Nebo Run in Arkansas. Stick around. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas, and of course, any random thoughts that pop into our head. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. There's a lot to be said about living each day like it's your last. That's why I love getting out there and riding, and I'm sure you do too. On two wheels or four, either way, keep it running by taking it to Heartland Honda in Springdale. They're pros at servicing and repairing your recreational, on-road, or off-road vehicle. And when it's time for something new or pre-owned, Heartland Honda can fix you up. Check them out online at heartlandhonda.com or give them a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda. Work hard, play hard. You know, springtime is a great time to get out there and explore the beautiful Ozarks on your ride. So do yourself a favor and put Brad Bradshaw's number in your phone. 417-333-3333. You never know when a relaxing ride will be interrupted with an unforeseen accident. Brad's a physician, surgeon, and a lawyer. So he can help you with all aspects of your situation. After the show, check them out online at bradbradshaw.com. Remember, save that number, 417-333-3333. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. Joining me, as always, is Randy Whizbang Lewis from BikeWorks in Urbana, Missouri. Good morning, sir. Uh, good, good, good morning, Look, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. I'm just you here got for a free, the free beer. beer. In your hand. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just show it's up. It's the for reason the for your showing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got a great episode. We're going to talk about how to make your bike a better performing bike. Plus, we're going to start out with a new ride, and that is the Mount Nebo Run. That's N E B O down in Arkansas. Now, this ride is a very short ride. It's only six stinking miles. But it's a cool six miles is what it is. Yeah, buddy. Arkansas State Highway 55, and it ends at the uh, Mount Nebo State Park. And the views from the cliff up there that's are the worth reason, everything. Yeah, that's the reason why to take the ride, in my opinion. Yeah, plus the, the hairpin switchbacks. Oh, yeah, there's some of those, I guess. One or two. <laughs> uh, you'll find that if you go over to our uh, sister website, OzarkRides.com, and go to Arkansas Rides, it's on page five down towards the bottom of the page. This is a ride that if you really enjoy getting out and you want to do the switchbacks and the hill climbs and stuff like that, but maybe you're not all that skilled, this would be a good starter because it's only six miles, for God's sakes. You can do anything for six miles. Right, And right, then once right. you get to the top, you're there at the overlook and see all of northern Arkansas. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, this ride is, uh, it reminds me of the saying, it's not the size of the ship, it's the motion of the ocean. That is what this one I've heard that a of. lot in separate different contexts. <laughs> so, no, we're it's, not it's go- like a teenage boy. Just as soon as you get started, it's over. That's right. But- this is a semi-family-friendly <laughs> Semi. So, 
Okay, well, so if you get a chance, check it out on the map. Go take this ride and do something besides sit around in the house because this is the perfect time of year to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. With the weather that we have right now, if you're in that area, this is a great little afternoon. Just go bust it out, have some fun, start getting everything geared up for a real springtime It's riding. a great ride to yeah. start tuning yourself and your bike up. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of tuning up, we're not talking really about tuning up, but how to improve the performance of your motorcycle. Now, this time of year, I would imagine that you get a lot of people coming into your shop and saying, what can I do to increase the performance of my bike? Oh, yeah. It's- Which is, we want to separate it versus just getting a tune-up. Yeah, it's that's it's completely Apples different. Apples and oranges. Right, right. You so know, take it away, Randy. <laughs> it's that time of year, you know, it's riding season. So naturally, of course, instead of getting this stuff done well beforehand, everybody's, oh, I have to have it now. And it has to be perfect in a day or two's time because I got to go ride. You know, everybody has to ride. So we're talking about doing performance work on your bikes. If you have a Harley, it's easy. There's a ton of options. If you have an Indian, it's easy-ish. And there's quite a few options. If you have a metric bike, go buy a Harley or an Indian because there's just not much for you. So let's start with the metrics. Truthfully, you know, I'm not talking about the big CC bikes, you know, the Kawasaki 2000, Yamaha Raider, Striker, the State Lines, things like that. Those already perform pretty good. I mean, they make gobs of power. So there's not a ton. But this also still kind of falls in line with even the smaller CCs. Because there's not, you know, hardly an Indian and stuff, you got cams, you got head options, you got big bore options, you've got tuners, exhaust, air intakes, you've got a ton of things to do and you can do. Um, with these metric bikes, nobody's really building big camshafts for them. Nobody's really doing big Is that bores. because you think they already right out of the gate perform well and they don't want to monkeyed with? Eh. Or is there just not a market for it? That's about perspective because I don't believe that they perform super, super well. You know, a lot of them are still five speeds. They're gear bound in my opinion. But I just don't feel like there's a huge market for them. And you got to think about country of origin. They don't let you do a lot of this stuff in Japan really is where they're from. There's just not a lot of that as far as a platform to go off of. Well, to be honest, also the some of the Japanese bikes, the cafe racer styles, the Hayabusa's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for God's sakes you don't need to increase the performance of a Hayabusa it'll already kill you right I guess I mean that that brings up a big point you know I always think about the cruiser and touring market your uh, sport bikes if you will there's a ton of options they make a crap ton of power they're high rpm bikes so we're mostly mop- focusing on cruisers and yeah. twins and things yeah if you ride a crew uh, a sport bike there are quite a bit of options, and honestly, it doesn't take much to net a lot more out of them. Truthfully, you know, throw a badass header on them, good performance pipe, do some tuning with it, like an auxiliary tuner or a dyno tune. There's turbo kits for them. There's nitrous options for them. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. Those machines will handle a lot of the extra load. There's a lot to be gained out of them. Plenty enough to wrap yourself around whatever obstacle is out there. <laughs> yeah, usually you flip yourself over backwards, but... You know, in the, in the touring market, I guess, you know, I guess I'm thinking more like the Honda Shadows, Kawasaki Vulcans, Suzuki Volusia or Marauder or something like that. You know, those smaller CCs that we see a lot of, let's be honest, they're inexpensive. They run forever. They're very mechanically sound. They don't require much. And that's what I find a lot of people when they get into motorcycling want. 
because one, either they don't know anything about them and they want a bike. Two, they don't want to spend gobs of money on something that they're not going to ride but a couple months out of the year for most people. So with that, um, there are some people making air intakes, higher flowing air intakes for those smaller CC metric bikes and even the larger ones. An exhaust is a great option. You know, throw a good performance pipe onto it and then tune it and you're really honestly you're about maxed out for what you can do realistically and then cost wise too well there comes a, a break where you are throwing money to right. waste. it's just wasteful because you're not getting that much more performance for the income that you're putting in it right i always think about dollar bills you know money cents things like that you're taking a cheap bike and why spend thousands upon thousands of dollars onto this cheap inexpensive bike i should say to not net much of any return out of it so maybe that's the reason why part of it also, you take an average of a $6,000 motorcycle, you're going to spend $6,000 doing performance stuff out onto it to get what? It doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, it's still a $6,000 bike, you know? Yeah. You don't, you don't gain very much as far as marketability or anything really in return. So a lot of those guys just upgrade to a bigger CC motorcycle and they're perfectly happy. Now, moving on to, say, Indian. Indian, there is, you know, there's more and more things coming out for Indian every single year. Um, Lloyd's is a big manufacturer of aftermarket parts for them, performance-wise. The way I think about it is... That's about where you have to go for, like, victory performance parts. Yeah, yeah. They're one and the same. Um, there's there's another shop, Vic Baggers. They do a lot of stuff, you know. And Witch Doctors. And Witch Doctors, Yeah. I mean, we can go on and on and on about manufacturers of custom parts for them. You're thinking about it at spring. You're thinking, how do I get more power? How do I get more fun out of my motorcycle? So when I was starting out, a guy explained it to me. An engine's not an engine. It's an air pump. So we talk about how to increase power. It's how can I move more air through the engine? Granted, with more air, you got to have a fuel increase too. So the guys that it kind of... In my opinion, I, we can do it every which way. We can start small and go big or just go big right from the start or whatever. But, you know, with an air intake, what you're doing is you're increasing the amount of air that can go into the engine. That's all great and everything. You do just that by itself. You're not going to net very much. Because think about it like having a two-inch airline being ran into a half-inch airline. For all the air that you pull into the engine, you got to be able to evacuate it. And you got to be able to flow it through the engine. So most guys, what they do, first things first, is they change out the exhaust system. You'll net a little bit of power and torque out of that. Um, you know, we live in today's day where not very many people are running carburetors. So now what you have to get into is retuning. So a lot of guys throw a set of mufflers usually is where they start. The other guys that really want a little bit more performance, they do a head pipe and mufflers what that's going to let you do is be able to evacuate more exhaust out of the engine it lowers egts it increases performance you pick up a small gain in power and torque now the next step up for most people would be to do an air intake and an exhaust so you're flowing x amount of air in now you're also flowing x amount of air out that's more of a balanced system for everything that you put in you got to be able to take out as quick as it comes in so that's really usually what people do or start with. Now, the fun part is and really where you really see your power gains on, you know, these big twins, Indian, Victory, Harley, some of those. So you do an air intake, 
you've done an exhaust. The next thing is, is how do I get more air through the engine? Well, it, it all runs through your cylinder heads. If your intake runners and your valves are small and you don't have very much lift, it's kind of kind of bottleneck in your heads. Really doesn't pay to do one without the follow through. Yeah. When someone comes to me to have one built or to have performance mods, you know, I'll try to explain it to them. You know, what's your budget? What's your realistic goals? What's your riding style? All that stuff really comes into account of when we're talking about this. What do you think the minimum, if there is such a thing? The minimum a person could consider putting in their bike to get enough performance out of it to make it worthwhile. And let's stick to the subject of American V-Twins. Okay. There's a little discrepancy in the parts list and prices between Indian and Harley. Just because Indians sometimes are a little bit more expensive parts-wise. So I would say realistically because exhaust manufacturers have got the price like it's almost 1500 bucks easy for a good exhaust system. So I would say realistically, you know, if you're looking to do an air intake and exhaust, you're two grand, 2,200 bucks, somewhere around there. If you're wanting to throw cams into that. But you can't do an exhaust system without doing some tweaking. Right. On the fuel system, right? Right, right, right. So you, you throw a tuner at it. And what I mean by a tuner is there's a couple different ways. Even with Indian, you can take it to an Indian dealership, Polaris dealership, whatever, and have it dyno tuned. They access your ECM and re change parameters, timing, fuel pulse, things like that. And that's basically a hard reset, if you will. What I personally like to do is auxiliary tuners. And that's what I have on my bike. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton of different manufacturers. They range anywhere from, you know, as cheap as 280, 300 bucks all the way up to 1500, 1700. And in that uh, particular market, you really do get what you pay for. Yeah, you really definitely do. Those cheap ones are what's called a three-pot system. Basically, you're just tuning, just not kind of get your Yeah, by. it's not really fine tuning. It's basically what you're going to do is tune an overall fuel pot. You're going to turn like a idle and then a mid to upper range. And that's all you do is you just mechanically turn a dial and it increases fuel. And then you got to go and dyno tune it or street test it until it's where you want it to be. A little bit more arbitrary, a little bit more work as far as getting it fine-tuned. Now there's, like, I particularly like Dynojet Power Commanders, the Vision, things like that. Those are really, really good tunes. Basically what you're doing is you're going in and, and selecting a base map file with, it's close to your parameters, you know. When you access these, it gives you, you know, what year's your bike, what size is your engine, what exhaust manufacturer at air intake you're running. And they've already done dynos. They've already, you know, if they've had your setup before, they've got a map for you. If you don't have the exact particular map, well, now you got to choose ones that, one that's closest to what you have. And a lot of the times they're well within the ballpark. Then there's a piggyback setup, like you can do what's called auto-tuning on a lot of them. So what that means is you're going to run O2 sensors. That's going to let it read and meter you know, how much fuel and how much air you got running through it. So what you'll do is you'll select a base map that's pretty close and then select your auto tune and then you go log miles on it, you know, 150, 200 miles. And all the time that you're writing that in the auto tune is it's checking parameters and building you a new file. Once you're done with that, now you can take that file and it's all done with a laptop and set that as your map. 
And after that, it's, I mean, it's as close as close as That's pretty get. cool. There's no really uh, tweaking or second guessing. Right, right, right. Um, it's pretty user friendly. Most people, if they can plug into a laptop and download the software, can do this. It's really not that horribly bad. So then you venture up to the next step. A lot of guys think, oh, a big bore. And I get people come in with their stock intake and their stock exhaust, and they say, I want a big bore because I need more power. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, we can do that, but you're not going to gain a ton. Yeah, you've increased the size of the cylinder, but you're still not moving any more air. You see so, what yeah, I mean? yeah, there's a bottleneck in there. Yeah, you've got to, in my opinion, you know, I find that with guys that just want to say they've got this many cubic inches or I've done this. Well, in the grand scheme of things, it hasn't really done shit for you. Well, it's emptied your wallet. Yeah, pretty much. And put it into yours. So that's a positive thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I should be a lot better businessman than I am, I guess. So it's one of those things like do your research, talk to a guy that knows, talk to a shop local to you that's going to be able, that you trust and feel good with, that's going to give you what you want as opposed to just taking your money. So when you jump up from there, you know, you start seeing huge power gains when you can do, say a stock Harley motor is running somewhere around 92 foot pounds of torque, maybe a hundred if it's a newer motor, the horsepower is lacking. You know, you've got like mid to upper 70s at best on horsepower this is off the off the showroom yeah, floor yeah yeah stock so this is what's absolutely badass in my mind so you've got those type of numbers i've done multiple builds we come in we do an air intake do an exhaust do a tune do cams possibly do a big bore what i really like to do is up the compression more so than boring it so you up the compression and do a big bore and then you throw a badass set of heads at it, either ported and polished or flowed, a little bit larger valves. Harleys truthfully have fairly good sized valves on their newer motors. Like there's not a whole lot of increase there, I don't feel like. And their runners, from what I've seen, they're pretty good runners on the cylinder head. You know, they flow pretty good. Plus, you know, like the 103 and up motors, they'll accept like a 580 inch lift cam, which is pretty dang good sized cam for most people's touring applications. Now we're fuel injected, so where does it all go through? The throttle body. You know, it's one thing that people forget nine times out of ten. They think they're doing all this performance stuff. Then they got stock size injectors, stock size throttle body. Well, there's your bottleneck there. So when you do everything, you know, and I mentioned air intake, exhaust, cams, big bore, up the compression, head work, throttle body work, you're talking about numbers well into 130s, 140s. And that is a huge increase. You're literally almost doubling your torque and horsepower numbers. And what numbers are we talking about from the pocketbook in the neighborhoods of? Uh, depending on which motor and engine you have and, you know, manufacturers of all these parts and where you get your labor done, you're probably, I would say, an average cost of probably $8,000. So it's a substantial ching-ching yeah. that you really need to think about. Am I going to uh, reap the benefits Yes. Of this, or is it really just something that I'm doing that I can tell my buddies, this is what I've done? Let's be honest, that's a lot of it. You know, you're not drag racing these things. And it astonishes me that that's important to people. It is to me. Like, I love having power. I hate riding a stock bike. I hate riding. Well, what I mean by that is having power is one thing, but just to have it only for the purpose of telling everybody, I've got this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not too hip on that because truthfully, I don't give a shit what people think Bragging. about me. Yeah, yeah. I don't talk to people. I don't try no, not to brag. I don't talk to anybody. Most people I talk to is right here. <laughs> yeah, and even then, it's a 
50-50 shot whether someone's going to talk back to you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to, you really have to think about, in, I literally have had this question, I, I can't even tell how many times in the past month, and every single time, this is how I start the conversation is, what do you want? What is your writing style? What are you looking to gain out of this? If you're just looking for a little bit more sound, let me throw a set of slip-ons on. You'll get your sound. Probably won't get a ton of performance upgrade, but you'll get your sound that you want. Then I got guys who are like, oh, I just want to make a little bit more power. You know, I get this a lot, especially with Harleys because they are lackluster in sixth gear. Everybody knows that, you know, passing power. The new M8s are a lot better, but, you know, guys still running twin cams. They're a dog in sixth gear. And they're like, I just want to be able to, when I pull out and pass somebody, just be able to go. That's where I really come in with cams, depending on what cam option you have, the RPM range where they really make peak power, things like that. Are you on a Dyna, soft hill, touring bike? What are you on? It's going to change what cams you run. It's They're not all created equal, and they're not all the exact same platform. And then there's a whole different level. The atmosphere is totally different when you're talking putting a turbo on it. Yeah, sir. This is for the serious, I've got lots of money. Here's what's crazy about that. Okay, so say, which it might be a little bit on the lowest side, depending on what you're going with and what you're starting with. Say you have an $8,000 investment in performance gains, right? On your naturally aspirated big twin. Okay, we're talking about numbers, 140s. Some badass dudes might hit 150, something like that. You take a turbo kit, throw it onto a stock engine. Obviously, bigger injectors, different air intake you know, how it, how it comes in through the intercooler, ECM and tuning and things like that. Last turbo bike I did, you're talking over 180 horsepower on a stock engine. So you got to strap yourself in. Same investment, about an $8,000 investment, throw a turbo onto there and you're freaking 180 horsepower. Well, that gets borderline crazy. Well, that's not borderline. I know the look on your face. If you could see it, he looked at me with a, a haughty look of derision. Yeah, like F you. <laughs> so that that is what's pretty badass. Now, what I learned in my experience with turbo stuff, it was pretty freaking finicky. I mean, I tuned and tuned and tuned and tuned and tuned, trying to get this thing to hit all aspects of the ratio, idle, off idle power, max power, things like that. And part of that's where the manufacturer is, was out west, where they set all these files and maps up and stuff like that. Then you come out here to the Midwest where... Atmosphere has a lot to do with it. Yeah, there's a huge difference. So when you get to that much performance, there's a lot finer line as far as making it super reliable, rideable. I throw that reliable out there because when you throw this turbo onto there, everybody thinks, oh my God, you got to do all this crap. It's not going to be reliable. That's the best part about a turbo is at idle, it's not pulling any PSI. It's basically like your engine. Spinning free. Yeah. So the harder you throttle the more performance you get. So guys are like, well, that's not rideable. Why? Why can't you ride it through town? You know, you're pulling low RPM, low boost. It's really not doing much until you crank the boost up there with throttle. When you want the power, that's where this thing really spools up and starts hitting hard. Have you ever heard of anybody employing for a street bike? Not We're not talking about race bikes. Nitrous. Uh, yeah, I see it more so on the sport bikes than I do like a, a cruiser or a big twin. Um, now there are guys doing it on those, but I don't see a ton of nitrous on the street. You know, even with the sport bikes, those guys are using them on the strip. 
then they'll have them on the street. Why the hell not? You know, but nitrous isn't the biggest thing, honestly. I know it's big in cars, hot rodders and stuff, but I was wondering how it went with motorcycles. On a motorcycle, you got to think you're carrying a small bottle because it's a motorcycle. You don't have a car where you can have a 12 pound bottle in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Plus, they're a little bit finicker. You got to think about bottle temperature and things like that. Timing of it on a car, you've got what's called a, a watt switch, wide open throttle switch. There's just a lot of other things that go into play with making nitrous work. So, plus some of these sport bikes, they put the nitrous on there. That's a good way to get yourself killed. Anything's a good. You can say the wrong thing to the wrong person and get killed. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like sport bikes, I think really is the reason why it's so badass. Is you're talking about they make power above 6,000 RPMs, above 6,000. Big twins, 6,000 is red line. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. you're, you're making your peak power 3,500 to 4,500. Some of those real high revving ones at 5,200 at most. I mean, you're talking about the upper end of the RPM range, whereas on a sport bike, that's the low end. Like they're not turning ours yet and they're Different not making beast. big power. Yeah. Now with Indian, it's, it's basically the same as your Harleys and stuff, you know, air intake exhaust tune. You can do cams. There are some people doing bores on them. There's not a ton of just readily available kits out there. Those guys that are really, you don't see it marketed as much as with Harleys, but it's more know a machinist, know somebody that's in the motor building industry and you can get a lot of performance out of your Indian. The cool thing about Indian is their Thunderstroke 111. My numbers could be off on this. It's been a minute since I really, you know, hit numbers on them. You're like 119 foot-pounds of torque stock. That is a shit ton in a streetable, rideable, everyday bike. They run pretty dang good right out of the box. So a lot of guys, what they do is they throw a new intake, new exhaust onto it. You know, they lower EGTs, net a little bit better performance, throw a good tune at it. And that's usually about the end of it for the Indian world. Um, then there's the guys that just have to have more, want to have more. That's where their cams come into play. And so that's, that's really where it comes in. So to scale it outright, Harley's probably the most modified as far as performance goes. Um, then Indian, then sport bikes, and then big twin metrics, and then the small twin metrics. Uh-huh. That's really kind of where it goes, especially even with the market. There's a lot more geared towards Harley. So I guess to sum it all up, first things first is you want to find out What do you really want out of the performance upgrade? And do you really even need it? Now, I know your attitude is, yes, you need it. but (laughs) It's not always about need. It's about want. Yeah, it's about want. It's different for every person. Yeah, yeah. And then realize what you're actually going to really get into time and cost-wise. Yes, this is my biggest, I mean, it pisses me off to no end, okay? Good work's not cheap, and cheap work is not good. And it goes for the parts too. Stop buying your shit on Amazon and eBay thinking that you're going to get, you know, high-end manufacturer quality out of this stuff. And if you do, don't bitch when it doesn't work the way that it should work. So if you work like I do, you freaking have to bust your ass day in and day out. If you're going to work that hard to make the money, get the most out of your money. Okay, yeah, some parts are a little bit more expensive. And most of the time, other than branding... There's a reason for that. You get what you pay for. Yeah, they're tried and true. They're tested. They are indeed out the ass to make it to where this is reliable, longevity, best performance. The moral of that story is either don't do it or save your money until you can get the right parts. Yes. 
and yes. do it right. Otherwise, just forget it. Right. I find so many people, you know, I've, I try not to get into this situation. When I first started the shop, I was really just eager to please and give everybody exactly what they wanted, how they wanted it. And what I found was is people will come in, spend their money on what somewhat of what they want, do it, and don't have a thought process on what's next. So, you know, they put this big set of cams in or whatever. Well, then they want to go and do this other intake or big bore and they don't jive with each other always. You know, there's something to be said for setting everything up for the next step and or buying the parts for the end result as opposed to just buying parts now. And what I'm going to preface this is I love SNS. They are a great manufacturer, but everybody and their brother was buying these 510 cams. Some aspects, they're okay. But what I found was is they make power at 3,400 RPMs. Again, you're creeping up there on the upper end of what most people run RPM-wise. Yeah, that's amazing if you're running 70, 80 miles an hour, pulling extra weight. But then they come back to me and say, man, this thing's freaking dog off the line. Or through first and second gear. And I'm like, well, it's because those freaking cams don't come into power band until way up in the RPM Not what they were designed to do. No, they were designed for touring bikes that carrying a little extra weight, running 40, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour, really, to have a little bit more power in the upper end. So that's what I mean by don't buy a cam off of what someone else has said or what you've read in some pamphlet. What do you want and what do you need out of your performance? Well, that's an excellent point. I think the very first thing you should do if you're wanting to go down this road is before you buy anything, before you do anything, talk to a trusted mechanic and find out, here's what I want to be able to do. And it may not be that you need part X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. and uh, let them guide you through the process of what you really need versus what a pamphlet or a brochure or an article tells you. Exactly. You know, there's... there's remember, some... the, 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 the brochures and articles and things that you see on YouTube, they're just trying to sell you something. Yeah, it's like estimated fuel mileage on a new vehicle. Yeah, and I I mean, if if there's other shops out there like mine is... You know, what they want is for you to have the best experience. Now, there are some shops out there that just want your money and whatever. So speak to someone that you can trust. Speak to somebody that has that in their mind, that does that day in and day out and say, hey, you know, a lot of guys won't charge you for free advice. You know, talk to them, get a rapport with them and say, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking. You know, what do you recommend or what do you think? Then after they tell you, if you're one of those guys that are anal and want to get on the forums and all that bull crap, double check what they're saying if you want to. But most of the time you talk to a shop that's been in business for a long time and they've pumped out some performance motors and things like that, they're going to have a pretty good idea of what parts work and what parts don't. Exactly. Well, that kind of wraps it up for this episode and appreciate you informing us our skulls of mush. <laughs> uh, yeah. On on how to best approach making your bike perform a little bit better. Well, what I want to remind everybody, don't forget to go to our website, randomthoughtsfromtheroad.com, and you can sign up for our free giveaway. We do that every month, and there's no obligation. We're not going to collect your data. Just go ahead and sign up, and maybe you'll win something free. And consider maybe uh, helping support this podcast by joining our club. You can find all that information at randomthoughtsfromtheroad.com. So until next time, keep it on the road, stay on two wheels, and ride safe.